0: Amen. Amen. Sing, baby, sing. <laughs> Amen. If you were here last week, you understand that. Sing, baby, sing. You know, there are moments in life when it don't feel like a song should come. You know, you want, you want something else. But, 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 again, letting God change the way you think, we know that we, if, if we can just release praise to God, we'll actually end up feeling better. Right? What was God asking the barren? Isaiah 54, when he was t- talking to the Baron lady, and he said, Sing, old barren, sing, break forth into singing, and cry aloud for more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. What was, he talking about? what was he actually asking her to do? He's asking her to change. Change. God, God's looking at you today, and he's saying, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to change. Instead of asking me to change everything around you, let's start in you and let's make some radical changes. Amen? Amen. I got three amens and a couple of people staring at me like they want to take me out back. Come on. (laughs) We need radical change. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, we need it. And you might be sitting there, no, I'm fine. I don't need change. You need change. Hello, somebody. You know, uh, what is it? Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be Transformed transformation is not a, just a minor adjustment. Transformation is a radical change. You know, don't, don't let the world squeeze you into this mold, but be, be, be made new. Be, be, made, be transformed, man, so that you can prove to yourself that God's will is good, perfect, acceptable. You, you know, we're always trying to prove we're right to somebody else. You need to prove God's right to you. I said, you need to prove to yourself that God's will for your life is right. You know, why is it hard sometimes to walk in obedience? You know, when we know what God would want us to do, but we still are struggling and don't really do it, you know, an easy place to see it, in the arena of forgiveness. Why is it so hard for us to forgive when we know we should? Because we're under the impression we're going to miss out on some of the retribution that we're looking forward to paying out. You know, we've had something taken from us. We're upset. We want it back. Anger starts moving around in there, and we're supposed to cancel the debt. But God knows that that release is what's best for you. And in order to walk in agreement with God and in obedience to God, you have to be convinced that God's will is good, that it's going to bring the best payoff to your life. That God's will is perfect. I'm not going to miss anything. That means nothing missing, nothing broken. God's will for my life. I'm not going to lose out, but I'm going to gain everything. right? God's will is acceptable. Or in other words, the only thing that we should be willing to accept is God's will for our life. And we shouldn't tolerate anything less than God's will. So quit letting yourself off the hook. It's time for change. Man, look around you. There ain't nothing the same this week. It's a season of change. And what God's doing in the body is a picture of what he wants to do and what he really is doing in the individual lives. So we have, as a body, we have an opportunity for breakthrough and to increase our influence. Well, God's doing the same thing in your life. And you need to be willing and ready to embrace change. So you just got to go at it. And you know what? You're going to have to push yourself. Either that or get a mother. Because, you know, moms are great at pushing. Hello? So some of you might need to hire a mother. But it would be cheaper to push yourself. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's just time for you to push yourself. Matthew chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine in new wineskins, and both are preserved. See, getting the right content is important for sure, but being the suitable container is vital, It's not just what's coming in. It's not what God's pouring into your life. But it's your ability to contain it, to hold it, and to not lose it. You can get all the right stuff, but you need to make certain you're right in order to get the full impact. you got to take care of you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Isaiah 54, verse 2, in the message says, Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. I'm telling you that God's speaking this word into this house. And it's time for you and I to make lots of room for lots of people. We need to make lots of room for the movement of God in our life. There is no limit on our fruitfulness. I said there's no limit on our fruitfulness. God's talking major increase. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's on the wall. His plan is to prosper, to increase you in every area of your life. That's God's plan. So we have to prepare for the increase. God always gives room for growth. The limitation, it's not his ability or his willingness. It's us. You and I determine whether or not we're gonna receive the increase. Huge containers of, of water that, that's available, and we come walking up with a four-ounce cup. You know, we have the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the guy who has it all, owns it all, and knows it all, saying, come to me, and I'll fill you up. And we walk up with a thimble. Come on. It's time to think bigger than that. Amen? It's time to get ready for something more than that. How many of you are ready for growth? Amen. You want to help the garden grow? Are you ready to grow your business? Are you ready to grow your downline? How about just growing your life? Well, then you're going to have to grow you first. Amen. Amen. You know, at Matthew nine seventeen, uh, uh, I want to look at it again. Matthew nine seventeen. He said, uh, "Nor do they put wine in old, new wine in old wineskins, because the wineskin would break, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined." Let me tell you the point of this that, that you need to underline and see is that God's not into waste. So when the wine is spilled, when what He's pouring out is left on the ground, that doesn't make Him happy. So what we have to look at here is that, you know what, there comes a time when change is required, So because without change would be to provide room for waste. So I have, to, I have to embrace change so I can eliminate waste. God's pouring out right now. I need to be able to contain it. Hello, somebody. You know, think about it. You can't reach a new destination riding on the same old bus. So every now and then, you gotta, you got to transfer. You, gotta, you, you don't catch a Palm, flight, or Palm Springs flight to, in hopes of going to Denver. We're, we're planning on going somewhere, and we, we're going to impact the cities with the kingdom of God. And, and I'm telling you, we're bringing light into the darkness. And so you've you got to get on board. Look at somebody. Tell them, get on board. And there's not a whole lot that's going to change until you and I change. You know, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old, for behold I shall do a new thing. Get you know what? That new thing where it's going to start in us. It's going to start in you, it's going to start in me. 2 Kings chapter 4 said that now the wife of a son of the prophets cried to Elisha. Your servant my husband is dead and you know That your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two sons to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you of sale value in your house? And she said, your handmaid has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go around and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not a few. And when you come in, shut the door upon you and your sons. Then pour out the oil that you have into all those vessels, setting aside each one when it's full. So she went from him, shut the door upon herself and her sons who brought her the vessels as she had poured out, as she poured out the oil. And when the vessels were all full, she said to her son, bring me another one. He said to her, there's not one left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. Then the oil stopped. Everybody say that. Then the oil stopped. Say it with me. Then the oil stopped. There comes a point in time when the oil stops. When does it stop? When you've reached capacity. When God's not going to waste it. So as soon as she reached her capacity to contain it, the oil stopped. Had she had more vessels, she'd had more oil. Had she had fewer vessels, she would have had less oil. But it's we all get caught up in the methods. Methods have a shelf life. Okay? But the reality is acceptable. There are, it's just time for change. It's not that the old was bad. It's just that now it's time for something new. What used to work on Clearwater isn't going to cut it on Okanagan. We're, we're believing God for more. So we're going to have to be ready to give more, to carry more. Everything reaches a point when the oil stops. But when it stops, we, we don't stop. We change. We get prepared for more. A lot of churches that I know are hoping and praying that 1978 comes back because we're ready for 1978. But, dear God, let's pray that it doesn't come back. Let's believe God for more. When your container is full, when you've reached your capacity, you're done. So, you got to get bigger. You got to stretch out. You got to think bigger and believe bigger, pray bigger, serve bigger, give bigger. You got to get bigger. come on guys, we got to get bigger. Amen. It's all about flow and structure. You and I take care of the structure. God takes care of the flow. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now. Take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he didn't know where it came from, but the servants who'd drawn the water out knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every Man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. There's a couple of things that you need to understand in this verse that are really vital. Number one, a lot of us misquote this all the time. We say that God saves the best for last. No, He saves the best for now. Is there going to be another now? Just next weekend, we're going to have a new now. But right now, this is the best. Amen? So wherever you are now, God's God God wants your life to get better and better and better and better. Hello, somebody. The rest of your life's gonna be the best of your life. So just get prepared for it. Get ready for it and increase your container. Hello, somebody. Check it out. Thirty-gallon pots, six of them. Hundred eighty gallons of wine. It's about nine hundred bottles. Jesus was a party animal. Why why did he create so much wine? Because that's the capacity that was available. God's not intimidated by your capacity. God's not intimidated by our capacity. So you can get as big as you want. Don't let the enemy talk you into, into buying a lie that, well, you know, you're just thinking all about you and you shouldn't be. You know what? If God, well, when we get to thinking about prosperity and we think, well, I, you know, all I need is enough for me, that's not enough. If all you have is enough for you, you don't have enough to help people who ain't got enough. So you need to get, you need to get bigger than that. You need to, well, well I'm going to take care of a child in Africa. Why don't you take care of a tribe? I mean, come on, let's start thinking big. Let's start believing God for big things because if we get a big dream, God's not intimidated by our big dream. You know, we, we, we look at this building, come on, we look at this building and people walk around, oh my goodness, this thing's huge. This is nothing compared to what God can do. Man, we don't want the building, we want the entire island. We're believing God for increase, but we're gonna have to prepare ourselves in able to receive it. Hello, somebody. John chapter 6 there were 5,000 men remember 5,000 men plus their wives and children but Jesus fed them and when they were done think about it they fed 5,000 and when they were done there was just one basket for each of the uh, disciples who didn't think that they had enough well why why weren't there 13 baskets left over well because that that wasn't the need God met you know what there was 5,000 hungry men so that's how many God fed he just met. He just went right to the level of capacity. In Luke 5, you know, they say launch out into the deep and lower your net for a haul. And they get the nets and they, they call their partner in, but their nets are full. Why? Why didn't they get more? Well, because they reached their capacity. But you notice God didn't go skimpy on them. Their nets were at the point of breaking. Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He said he fills my cup to overflowing. Well, for some of us, that ain't a lot. Because we just a little tiny cup. Look at your neighbor. Just check out their cup size. You know, you, well, that didn't sound right, did it? Uh, sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> Never mind. What's really weird is how depressed some people look right there. But anyways... I don't know how to recuperate from that. But some of you guys, some of us are walking around a four-ounce container, and God's a great big God. Come on, let's move on. God's a great big God. And, He, 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 he you know, the bigger you get, I think the, I think the happier God is. The, the more you're prepared to, to, to carry more, the, I, think the, I think the happier God is. God's wanting to pour out into your life, and, and he's able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything you could ask or think. But some of us, you know, we feel stretched, and we're asking God for help me make it through the day. Come on. That's your prayer life? God, just give us a good day. <laughs> well, no wonder you're miserable. Come on. You, you've been called of God, equipped by God, anointed by God, empowered by God to change the world. And when you're praying, give me a good day, all you're thinking about is you. You Lord. We got to get bigger than that. Come on. We got to change the way we think, which will change the way we feel. See, a lot of us, we don't feel like our life is making a big difference. I'm telling you, your life is empowered by God. Your life can make the difference for an entire city, but you have to be big enough to see it. Hello, somebody. So there are some wineskins that you need to get rid of because they will kill the growth in your life, and I want to give you these four uh, wineskins that you just need to get rid of in your life. Don't let this hinder your growth you know a pediatrician's very rarely asked how do i make this child grow they just grow you know it's it we shouldn't be asking how do i get my life to grow you need to ask what's hindering growth in my life and then deal with that okay and now the first one the first one is this irrelevance irrelevance if you are under the impression that what, who you are and what you do doesn't matter, doesn't make a difference, you need to change that mindset. You, you need to understand that, that your life is empowered by God. That Not only can it make a difference, but God's actually expecting you to change the world. We are on our way to change the world. And you matter. You make a difference. Your participation impacts everything. So you've got to eradicate that mindset that it doesn't make any difference. Listen, if you're under the impression it doesn't make a difference whether you're here or not, then you're probably not making a difference when you're here. So we need you to change that mindset. In your house, I'm telling you, your life, your attitude, your view, the way you live matters. don't don't let the enemy think that, 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 well, it doesn't make any difference. You know, God's dealing with you in an area of your life, and he wants you to take something and set it aside. He wants you to break a habit you've had. Well, it doesn't matter. It matters. It's huge. So just walk in obedience to God, but realize your life makes a difference. Look at somebody and tell them you make a difference. You know, the best way to cope with change is to help create it. So, you know, instead of being frustrated by all of the changes around us, let's dive in and let's make a difference with our life. And and let's participate, and let's realize that you know what—that's a wineskin that's getting removed from my life. Because if if I keep the old wineskin, man, the new wine is going to make me stretch. The old wineskin refuses to change; it won't tolerate that growth. So what happens is I end up separating from all the new wineskin. What is that? Fractured relationships. You know, if 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 the church grows and you don't. Then you're irrelevant. Well, let me say this again: If the church grows, but you don't, you make yourself irrelevant. You'll stand on the side of the road, and watch this thing increase, watch the lives get touched, watch it go down the street, and then, and in order to justify yourself, well, then you'll have to find something wrong with us, and that won't be hard to do because it's not us that's doing it. But we need, to, we need to make a mind uh, commitment that we are going to grow and change as the Spirit of God leads us as a body to impact these cities together. Amen? The, you know what? The second, the second wine skin that needs to be eradicated is the skin of religion. I hope that you're not looking for a religious experience because we're believing for a relational explosion. We want to have a collision with God. We don't want to go through a bunch of religious ceremonial exercises just to justify our nasty attitude. Hello, somebody. So, you know, the word religion comes from the same root word as relic. And what it means is, is, is that which is left behind or that which remains. Religion is what's left behind when God leaves. See, I don't want to be where God was. I want to be where God is. So I have to get rid of the religious stuff in my life. And a lot you know, a lot of the religion that, that we carry in our life, some of us are very religious about all kinds of stuff and we don't we don't we don't even get it. You 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 know what? If you can't miss a football game, then that's more you're more religious with that than you are with church, because most of us don't have any trouble missing a church service. Think about the stuff that you worship, you know, the word worship means to rivet your eyes or attention on someone or something, to sit at one's feet, even as a dog sits at his master's feet, licking his master's hand, to sit within view. Well, that's TV. You do understand. Now, now there are, there, there's no way to, to erase worship of other things from your life. You're not going to do it because you get paid to do a job so you are riveting your focus or attention on someone or something. So you you can't just rid your life of all other worship, but you have to make certain that you worship him more. Hello? See, it's not that God don't want you to go hunting. It's not that God doesn't want you to have fun. It's not that God doesn't want you doing those things. He just wants to be first in your life. And you gotta, be, you you can't be shallow, you know. You gotta get a little bit deeper than, than you know, because if your commitment and, and uh, you know it's football season, I just gotta say this: if your commitment to the Beavers is higher than your commitment to Jesus, you gotta change your commitments. Some of you guys going, "Phew!" I'm sure glad he didn't say the Seahawks. <laughs> Look, at your and say, "Mm-hmm." We've got to get rid of religion in our life. The third skin, the third thing that we got to get rid of, tradition. Everybody say tradition. Tradition. The Bible says that the traditions of man have made the word of God of no effect. The traditions of man have made the word of God of no effect. The word tradition comes from the word trade, which means something that's been packaged and sold to you. You know, in church, it's kind of like, uh, well, the communion table up front is carved, and it says, remember, it's, you know, are, are we going to get one of those communion tables? No. Why? Because we don't want to do anything just born out of tradition. Everything we want, everything we do, we want to do it out of worship, Right, we we don't we don't want a tradition in our life. It was kind of like the story, and most of us have heard it. But the the story of, of the of the kids and sitting around the, the kitchen island with the with the mamas and the grandmas at Thanksgiving time, and they were getting the meal ready, and they're getting ready to put the ham in, and, and the mom's got her daughter there, and she cuts the ends off the ham before she puts it in the pan, and the little girl says, "Mama, why why do we always cut the ends off the ham before we cook the ham?" And she says, "We'll, we'll go get grandma and have her come in here." So she went and got grandma and brought her up. and Grandma, why, why do we cut the ends off the ham before we cook it? And she said, well, I'll tell you what would be fun. Let's, let's go get your great-grandma and have her come in here, and she'll explain it. And so they went and got great-grandma and helped her in there. And she's all wobbly because she's 114 years old. And she's standing there next to the, ne- next to the uh, island in the kitchen. And they say, great-grandma, why do we cut the ends off the ham before we put it in the pan? And she says, well, I don't know why you do it, but I just didn't have a pan big enough. And a lot of us are doing a lot of things in our life just out of tradition because that's the way we've seen it. That's the way we're comfortable, but it doesn't do any good. Well, if it's not making any difference, why don't you stop wasting time? Because God's not into waste. The Bible says in Ephesians, you know, to make the very most of time, buying up the opportunity, you got to make the most of time. You can't be wasting your time. And all a tradition will do is waste your time. It's quiet in here. You know, one of the things I love about being in this new room no clock. So I can just preach till the next group gets here. (laughs) Amen. The last thing that we got to get rid of complacency. Complacency has all kinds of excuses, simply, it's a refusal to change. We just sit back and refuse to make changes. You understand that the Titanic knew that they should change course. They were told to change course, and they had time to change course. They just refused to change course. You've got a lot of time. You've got time to change course. You've got the word you need to change course. You've got the instructions on how to change your course. You do not want to just refuse to change, because if you do, you'll sink. I'm telling you, the enemy will take you out. He's going to destroy your family. He'll rip off your business. He'll break your relationships. He'll make you miserable. Why? Well, because you refuse to change. We can't be complacent. We can't sit back and watch everything change around us. we got to be part of the change. God wants you to be a change agent. So you have some choices to make. In the Bible, you know, he said, I uh, set before you, life and death, make a choice. Life and death, it's your choice. You, if, if you're on the road to death, you can change. Poverty versus prosperity, it's a choice. You don't have to live broke. You can live blessed, but it's a choice, and you need to do it God's way. Hello, somebody. Healed or sick, that's up to you. How big is your container? I'm telling you today that God has no... Limitation that he is just willing and ready to meet every need we've got his promises. All you have to do is just decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prepare myself for change. I'm going to get bigger than I've ever been before. I'm going to believe God for more. I'm going to believe God for more, and I'm going to participate in more than I've ever participated before. And I'm going to give God, you know, I double-dog dare you to give God 12 months of your life where you are absolutely all in and all out for the all in all and see if at the end of 12 months of your life, isn't better than it was when you started. And I don't care who you are, you might be under the impression that you're one of the most involved, most, one of the most committed individuals on the face of the planet, but there's room for growth in your life. And if you step it up today, I'm telling you, God will make your life better. Amen? Some of us need to make a change right now because we're on a path that's not in alignment with God, but we're actually moving away from God. We're living under a carnal mindset instead of a spiritual mindset. Romans 8, 6 says to be carnally minded is death. It's leading away from the promise of God. But to be spiritually minded, that's where life and peace is at. Today, we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer together and, and we're going to give you the opportunity to make a decision, a life-changing decision, to make a commitment to Jesus Christ today like never before. I don't know. Maybe you've never prayed the sinner's prayer. Maybe you've prayed it a thousand times. The question is, is God speaking to you today about making a change? I want you to close your eyes, bow your head for just a moment. Nobody looking around. We won't call you out or embarrass you.